You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This is MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians edition. I'm Anthony Kastrovich. Thanks for tuning in. First time in a while, and we've got Jim Rosenhaus of the Indians broadcast team joining us. And, Rosie, it's going to be a fascinating winner as far as the tribe is concerned because I think a lot of people still like this team. Uh, you know, despite the disappointment of 2015, especially the way they finished strong, uh, they got over that 500 hump at the end of the year. They've got a stout starting staff and uh, obviously need some help on the offensive end. But I think what we saw from the Mets uh, with their run to the World Series, you have that, you know, controllable upside starting pitching. You're off to a good start. And I, I think that's the key when, when you mention the Mets. What is going to be that igniter to the offense? Because it, it's been back-to-back seasons now where the Indians have, have had the good pitching but have struggled to be more consistent offensively, and it's hurt them in the end. Uh, there's some good things to like because you know, they've had a stretch where they've, they've had winning seasons the past three years, so, so there's some... They're close, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. But what's going to ignite that offense to allow them to really get rolling? And as we saw with the Mets, it, it didn't take much, but, but just that one piece can not only be a, an impact in, an, in and of itself, but what it does to the rest of the lineup. And I'm not exactly sure what the answer is. Is that out there through affordable free agency? Do they have to make a deal? And how do they make a deal without taking away too much from what is a great strength, and that's their young starting pitching. It's going to be a, a very – I'm sure they're going to have hard decisions ahead because people are interested in Danny Salazar. People are interested in Carlos Carrasco. Um, you know, those guys – especially with Carrasco's contract, I mean, there's just a ton of value there. But you're right. I mean, you mentioned affordable free agency. We know this team's not going to break the bank and go crazy in free agency. And, uh, you know, sometimes – that can turn out to be a good thing because uh, that, that can bite you uh, to get in the top of the market. But, you know, the Mets, just to keep this comparison going, I mean, the Mets a year ago had a very quiet winner. They, they signed uh, Michael Kadire very early, and uh, they didn't do anything to address a, a pretty, what seemed to be a pretty gaping hole at shortstop, and Mets fans were all up in arms. But there was context there because of the way their division played out. They had this golden opportunity midseason, and they seized it way too soon. Uh, to know what the complexion of the 2016 AL Central is going to be. There's kind of X factors and question marks with every club. Uh, and, of course, the defending world champs happen to be in that division, so that doesn't help. But um, but in your mind, Rosie, you know, you're in the GMC for a minute here these next few months. Uh, what What is your take on, on the best way to proceed? I mean, they have to, they have to make some acquisitions. We know that as of now their, their outfield uh, is – pretty flimsy just as a function of the Michael Brantley injury. Um, what do you think is realistic here? Well, you've been making the comparisons with the Mets, and I think a, another one that, that maybe you can make, and maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but when you talk about a, a portable bat, look at what the Royals did in terms of, of what I think was a fairly affordable signing of Kendrys Morales. They were able to yeah. identify – someone that wasn't going to break the bank for them. And that, my goodness, it turns out that he's a major impact bat in their lineup this season and, and you know, a, a real game changer for them. So 
I think you'll see the Indians scour the market for someone like that. I don't know that there is someone like that out there, but maybe. Um, you know, or it's not going to be someone who's looking for five years at $25 million a year, but, but maybe something a little bit more reasonable. And you mentioned being in the GM seat. I would not want to – Anthony, I, I can't I, – I would really struggle being more conservative trying to move a starting pitcher um, and making sure that you get back what you need to get back for one of those starters because, yes. gosh, how often have you seen it where a team does that and then we're sitting here this time next year saying, boy, the Indians have to get some starting pitching. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's given, the thing. I mean, given up some strain. It wouldn't even surprise As we sit here today, they, they've probably got uh, six or seven legitimate starting pitching candidates for that rotation. And yet it still wouldn't surprise me if they went out and signed a – and not somebody who's going to be at the front of the rotation by any means, but, you know, last year they signed Gavin Floyd, and we know that didn't work out. But, you know, somebody of that ilk where – um, just to ensure you have depth on top of depth because that's the way this game is. There's just such a high attrition rate with starting pitching. Um, you know, and that's very part- true. And, and, you know, they haven't had a major pitching injury uh, for a while now. And, and by that I mean to, you know, Kluber missed a, a little bit of time. So did Carrasco yeah. last year. Um, you know, Salazar obviously had the major issue early in his career, but they've been – you can say reasonably fortunate, but you know I think with with Cody Anderson, if you count him in that mix of six to seven starters, you know here's a, a young guy who was a rookie last year, so you got to be a little bit careful there in terms of yeah. expectations, and and so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to go see him get a veteran starter. Yeah, I mean, and there's also in this game an increasing incidence of, of second Tommy John surgeries. That's another thing you just got to think with. with Carrasco and Salazar both having had it several years ago, too. That's one thing I keep in the back of my mind, even in this trade discussion, is you never know when a guy's peak value is. So a lot of hard decisions in that front office, and they'll continue to scour the market. But a big bummer here in November with the news about Michael Brantley. Uh, Obviously injured that shoulder late in the season, and and they thought they can get through the uh, rest and rehab route. But obviously uh, they continue to give him him trouble and got a second opinion and goes under the knife. we know the answer to this, Rosie, but just how do you put into words how big of a blow that is uh, to lose him possibly the, the entire first month of the season, and we'll see how much beyond that. Well, that's the key. Um, if they can limit it to just that first month, but this is a team that, that's been plagued the last two seasons by slower starts that have, have really put them in a tough spot trying to play catch-up the remainder of the season. So you hate to see your best all-around hitter have to miss that time I still think, you know, what they did with with letting him go through without surgery initially at the end of the season. Uh, I think it was the right way to go because it, you know, yeah, I think until you exhaust all possibilities before surgery, I don't think there's any player that, that wants to go. Hey, hey, cut me right now and and uh, we'll take <laughs> chances. Uh, you know, I I really yeah. do. I think they they want to exhaust because a lot of people say, well, they should have just had the surgery right at the end of the year and and. I think you need to put yourself in the player and the organization shoes on that one, and you might look at it a little bit differently. But um, I think it does increase the pressure on, on the front office to make that move for an outfielder. I think there was pressure there anyway, even if Brantley were healthy. But now this maybe it makes it a lot more 
of a priority that, that they go out and they find an outfielder who, with some experience who can help. A big X factor here in how they go about things is, is what they envision for Carlos Santana moving forward. Some people have thrown him out as a trade candidate, which I, I think is a little silly just because after such a down season, uh, you know, his, his trade value isn't what it would have been. And, and two, he, and he's the kind of guy the Indians would target in a trade, you know, uh, a bounce-back kind of candidate, like a Kendrick Morales, for instance. Um, so it, it seems like an interesting dynamic as far as first base, DH, you know, they have a lot of different ways they can go about that. They have a lot of playing time they could offer uh, veteran-type bounce-back guys. But it, it seems a lot of their their success next season is still going to hinge on Carlos Santana turning it around. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, are, the, are the numbers huge? No, but 20 homers, 80 RBIs. You know, there were several years they were looking for that at first base and couldn't find yeah, it. And, and I know it, I'm going to say it goes – a little bit deeper than just the hard numbers. Uh, do you look? How much do you factor in defense for a team that that may be built on defense and pitching? If there there is a weak link at first base, what does that do to what could be a very strong defensive left side of the infield? Uh, how much better could they be, Lindor and Urshela, with a first baseman who, who really? takes pride in their defense and, and is a difference maker at first base. And so far, Santana has not been that. And, yeah. and I, that's a concern. But how do, how do you balance that with 20 and 80 in terms of, of home runs and RBIs, which is what he's done productivity-wise? Whether he hits 220 or, or 230, he's still he's hitting 20 home runs and he's driving in 80, and it's run production that, that you care about. So, you know, all the other peripheral numbers um, you know, may be hard to find. And you're right, they may find themselves looking for that type of player if they do move them anyway. Yeah, tough tough decisions. We know they're going to have to be creative. That's that's the number one uh, key to this whole offseason. They're going to have to be creative because uh, certainly a nice opportunity with that starting staff and um, certainly needs to be supported in some fashion. But, Rosie, I want to get your uh, take on one last thing. Uh, Francisco Lindor this week. Finish the second uh, close vote, maybe not even as close as some anticipated, but but still a close vote with Carlos Correa. Um, it was it was a tough calculus for the writers. Just uh, basically, you know, Lindor's defense versus Correa's power. I think those were the two kind of dividing factors. Um, were, were you? Uh, what was your takeaway from from that result? You know, I'd, you couldn't really go wrong voting for either one, could you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're no. both. They had fine seasons, either one, and, and there is no crime in Lindor finishing second to Carlos Correa. They both had tremendous years. The upsides are, are clearly there, and and when you look at it, uh, Correa had a little bit more time in the major leagues, and, and that certainly allowed him to, to post better overall numbers and in terms of the power numbers, although... Man, Lindor closed fast, didn't he? He, he sure made it <laughs> close at the end in terms of some of the power numbers. Um, it, it's interesting. The only thing that, that I struggled with, I had no problem with, with uh, Correa winning the award. Uh, I think there was one voter who left Lindor off his ballot completely or at oh. least out of the top three. Don't get me started. Yeah, and so to me, though, that that's a problem. Uh, you know, because look, I think 
either one of the two has to be in, in your top two, don't they? So it's interesting, and you can say, I think the voter was from Seattle. Maybe he didn't see Lindor play, but if, if you had gone by, and I'm not sure who the Cleveland writers were and, and how they voted, but they didn't see Correa in the first series of the season because he wasn't up yet, and he didn't have any impact in the series that, that the Astros played in Cleveland. But just following the game, you know he's a great player. So, and, and you yeah. know what he's done, and, and, and it's almost impossible not to acknowledge that he's one of the top two rookies. So that was, that was a little flabbergasting to me. But uh, there's no crime in, in Lindor finishing second to Correa. They're both great players, and, and either one would have been a very good choice. Yeah, everybody has their opinion, and, uh, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. But uh, that, to me, that, that's voting malpractice. Have Francisco Lindor on your ballot at all? That's just yeah. crazy. But anyway, uh, no shame in second place, and, and those two are going to be tremendously fun to watch moving forward in the American League. And uh, it's always tremendously fun to talk to Jim Rosenhaus about the tribe. I want to thank him for filling in for Jordan Bastion this week, and thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.